Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. I'm Russell Brand. This week I spoke to Bruce Lipton, wider than a mile. Bruce is a developmental biologist, stem cell biologist, notable for his views on epigenetics. He is the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. I really enjoyed our conversation. He says some stuff which I told him at the time would be regarded as controversial, didn't I, Jen? Yeah, the coronavirus stuff. Yeah, that would be regarded as controversial, won't it? For some people, yeah. I suppose in these days, lots of things would be regarded as controversial. Like, do you remember when we did that video about a vaccine, like where I said and maintain that I have no opinion? Like, some people went, Oh, see, so you've been got to by the vaccine people. Like, you know. <laughs> and then other people said, This is irresponsible, it's anti vaccine. But most people did say what it was. It was like, This is a balanced and inquisitive approach to looking at the complexity that exists when private, uh, non governmental agencies and corporations are involved in, you know, mandated, potentially mandated nationwide or global, in this case, medicinal programs. And it brings about some complexity and highlights sort of the trust issues that exist these days. So. Yeah, so like, so some of the stuff Bruce says, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's pretty fascinating, and some of the stuff he says about uh, cellular biology is well cool, as I always say about cellular biology. Some stuff is well cool. Hey, did you enjoy listening to Annie Lennox? Did you like Annie Lennox? Yeah, she's very nice. She's beautiful, isn't she? What a beautiful person. Yeah. I would like to be friends with her. Yeah, she seems lovely. I like to go around her house. Why do you keep wanting to go around her house? I don't know, because I've not really said that about anyone else, have I? No. Usually you don't want to go around people's houses. I think it's because I could see her house and, like, I'll tell you one of the things. The backdrop was a corner. And I sort of think about... It means a big house. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big house. I mean, (laughs) eight, four million albums with the Eurythmics there. I wanted to see what was around that corner. Did you think, because it was white and kind of, like, almost Spanish-y kind of I like that white sort of jaggedy wall. so it looks clean. You look clean, yeah, yeah, look nice. Yeah, I liked it anyway. <laughs> SF Inville go. Even her speaking voice is beautiful and lyrical. I wish I could listen to her all day. I agree with you, SF Inville, because like, cause she was, has got a very beautiful, melodic speaking voice. Yeah, Scottish, right? She's Scottish. Yeah. Is it Glasgow? Anita Bramley, I love this episode, Russell. So lovely to hear Annie, smiley face. I know exactly what she means about the melancholy I felt my whole life too. It's an aching sadness at the beauty, wonder, mystery and destruction involved in the mere process of living. What do you think, Jen? Yeah. Do you suffer from some melancholy? I don't know, am I melancholy? <laughs> I don't know, am I melancholy? How's your one fan? Am I? I don't know. With the one day. can trust. <laughs> and Jenny's working with the one fan trust. Yeah, but, you know, I've got one. The one yeah. can trust is a food bank. The one fan I've trust. got a few comments saying, people saying, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You've not got... Co- yeah, but only because you're sort of trying to put your your Insta address out there, trying to get... No, it's always been there. Cream off a little then, bit, of, cream off some goodies. You're the one who pimped me out to chisel jawed people. If you've got a chiselly jaw, <laughs> male or female, you don't care, do you, Jim? No. You don't have any preference? No. I like... Uh, no. <laughs> you don't care... You see beyond the reproductive Yeah, but I'm quite um, uh, superficial in terms of Yeah, you've got to have a chiseled jaw. What if someone's got an apple head? (laughs) No, I don't want apple head. What if someone's got the size of a head of a cat? A cat head? No. I don't don't have a height preference, which is unusual for women. You could be a tiny little man or woman (laughs) or non-binary. Non-binary people, they're welcome. 
I don't care. Identify however you want. Uh, But if you don't don't have a chiseled jaw, (laughs) get out. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, they have to have just a chiseled... Jane, can I ask you a question? Have I got a nice chiseled jaw? Yeah, but you've got a bit, beard's got a bit long. Shall I, chisel, shall I trim it down to get the old <laughs> chiseler out? <laughs> shall I get the old... Shall yeah. I shave it down get you the old... You should just have a moustache. Why do you still have a jaw? Because with men, it dissolves. I'm not going to dissolve my jaw. <laughs> it's going to dissolve. Really? So while you still have a jaw, show it off. While you still have a jaw... <laughs> Why don't you show it more? Yeah, shave it. Shave yeah. that jaw. I'll shave my damn jaw Good. right down. If that's what you want, Jen. I've never <laughs> gone around with a moustache. I've had a beard ever since I went out of this woman from Iceland who was also, as I remember it, seeing Surge, oh. I think, out of Kasabian. That's weird. Mm. And she said, you should grow a beard. And I said, yeah, all right. And then I did, and she was right. I should, and I did. Oh. And then, of course, it came off for a while, didn't it? During I, I've never been near you without a beard. Well, my friend Matt said that I looked <laughs> like when Darth Vader took his helmet off. You've got face. He <laughs> said it looked too much face. I think yeah, you've got a lot of time, face. A lot of people would benefit from a beard. It's a shame a woman can't have a beard, is yeah, it? Yeah, it'd be good. Would you grow a beard if you could? Probably a moustache. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? You'd have a like, little, little tash, little ginger tash you'd have. It wouldn't be ginger, it would be black. My eyebrows are black. Your eyebrows are black as night. My hair is red. Your hair is red, but your eyebrows black as night. Yeah. What do you think's going on there, Jen? I don't know. You're a mutation. Yeah. Ghastly, really, isn't it? No. Ghoulish. <laughs> Hideous. So, Tommy, and then there's this guy, Tommy David Jones. I appreciate your interview style. You actually allow your guests to speak deeply on a subject without interjecting. This reflects well on you. <laughs> Most people are thinking about what they want to say instead of listening or interrupting to add their comments. What do you think about that, Jen? Yeah, it, it, your interview style has changed over the years. <laughs> Jen, I can't help but hear a veiled insult in that remark. No, it's a compliment. Tell me what the compliment is. You're good at listening. You're getting even better at listening. <laughs> well done, Jen. Brian McNeil, I love her. What a woman. It's not talking about you, Jen. <laughs> P. Heron Cartoons. My mother went to school with Annie Lennox. Always loved her. Annie. And my mother, of course. <laughs> Very funny. Now, remember to sign up to my mailing list at russellbrand.com. Check out my YouTube channel for dem spiritual videos I do. Got some great ones coming up over Christmas. Very, very funny. Like them, share them, pass them around, but try not to get addicted to it. Because who have we got coming up soon? Tristan Harris off The Social Dilemma. What a fantastic guest he is. Super smart, well-educated, lucid, best and the brightest, I'd call him. He was great. I've always, he sent me an email and I sent him one back. Let's see if he's responded to that one yet. Oh, God. You shouldn't be checking your phone for emails. Oh, shit, I'm checking my phone <laughs> to see what the guy who says stop checking your phone is saying. Yeah. That's irony. That's literal irony, Jen. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Stop yeah. rubbing away at the old black caterpillars. <laughs> hey. The old black eyebrows. The old They're charcoal. They're like your eyebrows. Yeah, but I haven't got a ginger beard though, have I? <laughs> I don't have a ginger beard. I've stuck with one colour. One love. Except it's white here. Look, the That's old good. father time is passing, but that doesn't mean my jaw is deteriorating, baby. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, do look at the YouTube channel. Lots of good videos coming up. Funny ones, nice ones. Uh, more stuff about the One Can Trust where we went and spent our Christmas. We had our Christmas break, didn't we, Jim? Lovely Christmas vegan burger there and a nice Christmassy <laughs> glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> the joy of it, eh? The absolute giddy, decadent joy. It was like the last days of Rome. 
Um, and remember, we're doing a new podcast, Ask Me Anything, where you can ask me anything. We've already recorded an episode, such wonderful, intelligent, brilliant questions. If you want to ask me anything, go to russellbrand.com forward slash ask me anything and your question will be there. This is uniquely available to you as a Luminary subscriber. Thank you for subscribing. I value and appreciate you. I'm very happy with Luminary. It enables me to be safe and secure in a cosy little world. Your voice will be on a podcast. That'll be good, won't it? Would you like your voice on a podcast, no. Jen? Your voice is on a podcast. I know. And may I say it's an unwelcome bit of graffiti across what I would call the St. Peter's Cathedral of my excellence. <laughs> <laughs> Get in touch on social media. Twitter, Rusty Rockets. Instagram, Russell Brand. TikTok, a little girl told me today, the kid of one of them families, that I ain't that put nothing on TikTok for eight months. Now, can't we just start pulling things off the other channels and putting them on TikTok? Just put them on there. I don't know what TikTok is. Look, you're young, Demaya. How old are you? You're 24. Now go and run TikTok. Just put 15, what are they, 15 seconds? 15 to 30, ideally. Come on, just grab little things. Like, you know, I don't know what it is. I'm confused by it. From what Donald Trump tells us, it's a tool of the Chinese state. We've got to be extra. No, isn't it? You're telling me, I next should be telling me I can't trust Trump. What's next? Can't trust Trump? Is that what you're saying? Don't trust Trump? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, though, we will put some things on TikTok. Demaya, the young person, will handle that. Jen, you, you're over 30 now. You're with me in a bracket marked as... Are you in the next bracket soon, though? No way. This is, is it. Is it 30 I'm to staying, 50 or 30 to 45? I'm staying in this bracket. <laughs> That's all I'm... I want to be in your bracket. What do you want to be Why? in that bracket for? You're in a bracket. You're in a very, very nice bracket. Um, you're, yeah. I remember when I was 24... And I remember saying to someone, I can't believe I'm still not famous yet. I'm 24. And she went, you're so young, you idiot. And she was my friend, Heidi, married to my mate. And she was right, actually. She's a good person. Right. It turns out that also that fame was actually largely unfulfilling, although you can sometimes use it to get, for example, maybe a seat at a restaurant. Now, uh, there's a lot of trouble to go to. She could, you know, restaurants are shut now anyway. All right, so time now for Bruce Lipton. Now, remember, I've told you about what some people regard as controversial views. And if while you're listening, you think that's a controversial view, what does it matter, really? A controversial view. You know. Probably I'll... just made up. Huh? Made up. Made up. What do you mean, Jenny? <laughs> Isn't everything made up? Everything's made up. So civilization, England, made up, made up, made up. Everything, just imagined. So just calm yourselves right down and listen to Bruce Lipton, who I found thoroughly enjoyable, sprightly and intense, like a sort of elfish man. Wasn't he? Sort of like, yeah, he had like that sort of vibe, didn't he? Yeah, for someone over 70, he's quite energetic. Well, really sprightly. Okay, enjoy the podcast. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the Skin. Bruce Lipton, thank you so much for coming on Under the Skin. I'm really, really excited to speak with you more than ever now that uh, we're face to face. Well, I, I'm so excited because I, I know the audience that is going to be listening to this program is a, an audience of the cultural creatives. So people are thinking outside the box. And at this time in this world, the answers are not in the box and they're out here. And so you're offering a platform for new thought. 
And that's the only way out of this problem we're in right now. Well, that's cool because at the moment we're trying to redefine and understand what it is we're doing. And when you say we're a platform for thinking outside the box, a platform for new thinking, and whatever it is we're looking for is not inside the box. These are the kind of these are the kind of slogans we can go to war with: spiritual war, spiritual war, fatwa, not a not a violent war. Yeah, well, uh, there's a war going on right now anyway for survival. And nobody knows that the war is on, so it's like, uh, and it's on TV. The war is on TV now too. So uh, we're we're facing uh, an imminent threat of extinction. People have, oh, okay. I go, what do you mean, okay? We're, we're talking within decades, within your lifetime. Uh, uh, we're in a six mass extinction, and science has told public about it 15 years ago. And for 15 years, I I go, what do you mean? We are killing ourselves with the way we're living on this planet. We've undermined the web of life. And, oh, my God, the consequences are, are, you know, extinction is looming within decades. So, therefore, and given that you've already said, even though we've only been speaking for 100 seconds, you've already said that the solution will not be found within the box. And And I would suppose that we can commonly understand the box to mean within our current philosophies, systems of government, the way that we distribute power and the way that we make decisions. We can't turn to that. The difference between voting for Joe Biden or Donald Trump is an insufficient choice for making the kind of changes that we're discussing. So what what do we need to do, Bruce? Well, well, the first thing is we have to find out who the hell we are because we have lost that. We have uh, been in a a worldview of, oh, we're victims. Hey, I have no control. This is what's happening to me. Uh, and victim means powerless. And when person's powerless, what will they do? They'll pay anybody <laughs> to to say, oh, take care of me because I am powerless. Uh, uh, and so between the government and the pharmaceutical industry, which are now like that, uh, they've been manipulating us. And, and the idea is we are not living with our conscious mind. We are living with our subconscious programs, and there's a whole difference. Conscious mind is creative. Subconscious programs are programs. Push the button, program plays. And the movie The Matrix is not science fiction. The movie The Matrix is a documentary. Fact. It's a fact. All of us have been programmed. Why? Well, the brain is a magnificent computer. I go, yeah, great. Go to the store, get a new computer, turn, you know, push the button. Hey, it boots up. It's working. I say, now do something. You go, like what? Spreadsheet, draw a picture, write. I, I, I say, you can't do it. I say, why not? You got a brand new computer, but until you download the programs, computer is useless. And so a child's brain is actually online, last trimester of pregnancy. It's ready. It's booted up, but it's got no programs. And I say, well, then what happens? I say, for seven years, the brain of a child is not predominantly in consciousness. A brain of a child is in a lower vibration, meaning wires on the head, EEG, the lower vibration than consciousness, alpha consciousness, theta is below consciousness. I go, a child for the first seven years is predominantly in theta. I go, what's theta? Imagination is the character. So uh, they can have a tea party, pour nothing in the cup, drink the nothing. And well, that was the best tea I ever had. And I go, that's theta. And I go, but theta is hypnosis. And I go, why is it relevant? I said, 
How many rules does it take to learn how to be a member of a family? How many rules does it take to learn how to be a, a productive member of a community? And I go, oh my God, a thousand rules, how you, how you behave. And I go, so give, give an infant a book. Here, here's a massive book. Learn, learn these rules and you can be a member of the family. And I go, nature took care of that. Nature said, first seven years, theta, record. Whatever you observe, you record it. That's the download. How do I know my behaviors? I have to watch my mother. I watch my father. I record all that stuff. And I go, so why is it relevant? I said, well, there's your program. And I go, so how are those programs? I go, well, about 70% are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs that we acquire. And you go, I say, well, that's the program. Can you, Bruce, can, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So, like, could, could you tell me, like, what do you think is an example of disempowering programming just in the sort of, like, the kind of language that a parent might use or uh, the behaviors that I might demonstrate? I'll give a good one. You ready? Oh, mommy's sick. She goes to the doctor. Da Daddy's sick. He goes to the doctor. You're sick. You go to the doctor. And I say, so a kid under seven is like, I'm sick. What do I do? Oh, a doctor is the one who knows professional i'm not so i say so what's the relevance whatever the doctor says is the truth that your mind takes in if the doctor says you have three months left to live you already got the program three months is about when you're going to really die if that's what the storyline is you gave up power you say oh uh, who am i uh, i'm a, i don't know the other people doctors will tell me i go that consciousness is what's creating this. But if you give away that consciousness, it's not my job, then a person lost control of their health. Bruce, so I get it, man. So you're saying like we, we outsource authority to culturally designated authority figures and then we make reality from that. But are, are you therefore denying a kind of an objective material reality or are you saying that that material reality is secondary to the reality that we construct through our sort of inner faith? That, that's a template that gets in front of your reality. Here's my reality. Here's me. And the what I downloaded is between here. It's a filter. So whatever comes through that reality has to match the filter. If it doesn't match the filter, it's like, well, what's going on? You know, but if it matches the filter, yeah, that's just the way life is. And everybody accepts that. Uh, I just need to add one little fact that makes it a little more important. And that is this. The conscious mind and the subconscious mind are two different entities. And when you say the mind, you have misunderstood this big time because the conscious mind, latest evolution right behind your forehead is the creative mind. The subconscious mind is the habit mind. I go, why is it relevant? Because in a habit mind, you just push play and you don't have to think about it. Unconscious, subconsciously, the behavior unfolds. And I go, so? And I go, and this is the problem. The conscious mind not only can be creative, but the conscious mind can think. So I, I say, Russell, tell me what you're doing on Sunday. And if you don't have it written right in front of you, I bet you in a moment you could go, oh, on Sunday, I'm doing this. I say, where'd you get that information? Oh, I had to go inside and think about it. I go, that is where the problem comes from. Consider the body a vehicle, steering wheel, conscious mind creative, wishes and desires. Let's, let's go to those wishes and desires. And I say, so you're driving. And then all of a sudden you say, wait, I, oh, I have to think about something. Conscious mind lets go of the wheel because conscious mind is not looking out the window when it's thinking, it's looking inside. And I say, oh, actually, if I'm in my car and I have a thought and all of a sudden I'm not paying attention to the road, what's going to happen? I go, 
subconscious mind knows how to drive the car. It's an autopilot. So the moment you're thinking, the behavior that comes out is not, you don't see it. That's the problem. I say, why don't you see it? You were thinking. So whatever the program played, you manifested the program. Is it a good program, bad program? You didn't see it. Doesn't make any difference except on the results of your life. And I go, so why is this relevant? And I go, we are not creating our life more than 5% of the day because 95% of the day is established by science as the amount of time we think, which means 95% of the day we uh, you know, resort to the program, which we don't observe. So uh, 30 years, same lecture story. And, and it's like, well, this is it. It goes, you have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very well, and you know your friend's parent. One day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parent. So you're, you know, you got to Hey, Bill, you're nothing like your, you know, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And first thing, Bill, what do you mean? How could you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Everyone laughs. They've had the experience. I say, most profound story in the world. Why? Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Who's the one that doesn't see it? Bill. Explanation? Yeah, he downloaded his dad's behavior in the first seven years. But when he's using that behavior from the subconscious, it's because his conscious mind's busy thinking and his conscious mind doesn't see the behavior. But the behavior comes out exactly as he learned it. And if it was a, not a good behavior, that's what you're going to play anyway. Are you going to see it? No. All you're going to see is the result that the behavior wasn't any good. And I go, so what's the, what does that mean to that person, to the mass population? I say, what does it mean? They wake up in the morning, wishes and desires. Today, I'm going to get healthy. Today, I'm going to find a mate. Today, I'm going to get a good job. They go through the day, come home. None of it happened. And the first thing they have to just, here's the problem. I wanted to be successful. It didn't happen. Those people, that universe, that's what caused the problem. I am a victim because I wanted this. I got that. And I go... Oh my God. <laughs> no, you are the creator. You have created both sides. You've created the wonderful stuff you like, and you've created the miserable stuff that most of us experience. And if you believe you're a victim, then there's no responsibility. And that's where the problem Bruce, is. Bruce, this I understand. Bruce, here is something that I'd like to put to you. Much of my current process is about moving away from the narrativizing conscious thinking mind and moving into embodied awareness what about the Jungian idea that within this shadow territory of the subconscious or unconscious mind lie as well as the sort of darkness and the dragons and the unawareness and the habits and the addiction great power great potency how do we subvert this for, for me i don't want to live in the narrativizing thinking i want this mind i want to live in the deep deep wide awareness that can witness what is happening in my body that can witness ah oh, i felt fear then i know this fear is not about the apparent external stimulant i know it is about the sense that's within me how do i how do we make these adjustments because i i think of the thinking mind as potentially a, a rather dangerous aspect of the mind whereas you seem to be positing it as a kind of part of the solution well it, it basically is because let's first thing is this as i said the brain is a computer you got to put programs in it 
and that uh, then the biggest issue is this. Uh, you don't know what the programs are. I go, why? I said, when the heck did you get programmed? Oh, before I was born, last trimester? Okay, from zero to one? What program did I get? Okay, from from one to two? I don't know what the program, etc. So what's the point? The point is this. You don't realize, A, your life is controlled by your own creation. Sidebar here. It's real important sidebar. The most valid science on planet Earth is quantum physics. There is no science that has been tested more or affirmed to be truer than science than, than the quantum physics. And I go, so why is it relevant? And the answer is this. From day one, 1927, the, uh, Max Planck, the mind is the matrix of all matter. And I say, what's, a, what's that? What's that mean? Quantum physics recognize that the universe is immaterial. It's all energy. But consciousness and spirituality are the shapers of our life experiences. So it basically turns the story back that I am creating. And the issue about this is what the heck am I creating? And I say, well, 95 from the program. I say, so what's the program? I go, your life is a printout of the program. So uh, you look at your life and you say, what are the wonderful things that come into my life? I go, they, they're there because you have a program to acknowledge that. But the things that you want, you desire, you're looking forward to, uh, what's the issue about that? I say, if those things are a struggle, I want to be healthy, struggle. I want a relationship, struggle, whatever it is. I go, the struggle is not because the universe won't give it to you. The struggle is because the program you have doesn't support that conclusion. And then you're trying to take this conscious mind and override all those negative programs. I go, hey, mathematically, 5% conscious mind, 95% subconscious. Uh, the subconscious is a million times more powerful, a computer information processor. Do the math. What's 5% <laughs> and that minimum power going to do? And the answer is nothing. You're going to still have the same problem because people think that if I talk to myself, I'm going to correct those programs. Come on, Bruce, you can do better. You can do this. I go, I love the funny part because I said, who are you talking to? Oh, oh, I'm talking to the subconscious. I go, there's nobody in the subconscious. The same as the hard drive in your computer. You can talk to your computer till you're blue in the face. It's not going to change the program that way. And I say, so what's the relevance? We want to have the life of what we want. But the programs that we were programmed with, in many cases, actually prevent us from obtaining those because the behavior that comes out conflicts. And then we struggle. I'm going to work hard to make it happen. I go, it's like dieting. Oh, if I work so damn hard, I could lose this weight. And I go, and the moment you stop working hard, weight's back again. Because weight's controlled by subconscious mind. So basically, we're struggling with ourselves and looking at the world and saying that's where the problem comes from. And I just want to emphasize, subconscious got the nickname of being the evil place. I go, that's, that's BS belief system. Uh, and I go, uh, why? I say, subconscious, if you didn't have it, you wouldn't be able to operate here. I say, how long did it take you? When did you learn how to walk, Russell? Before you were two. Did you ever have to relearn how to walk? You could be 110. You're still walking. Why? That's a program. That's a habit. And that's a good program. But some of the programs are not so good. And until 110, you're going to have them until you change them. So, 
Bruce, with this in, in mind, like it's, I'm obviously listening to what you say and thinking how it aligns with um, sort of arcane and traditional benevolent spiritual systems, increasing awareness, becoming aware of the construct of the individual identity as a sort of a kind of a material object held within the psyche and being willing to let it go. What like a, what is the method and... Uh, technique that you use to bypass the construct of the individual identity or program you know early programming to to use your um, vernacular to access these other resources and explain to us what, what uh, is meant by epigenetics okay <laughs> well let's start first with genetics and epigenetics because that's another limitation that you that most people <laughs> have been programmed with and i say uh, we have been programmed to believe that genes control the traits and characters of our lives, not just our physical character, but our behavior and our emotions are under genetic control. Genetic control, that's the phrase. That means control by genes. And so uh, uh, this is where problems come from, like Angelina Jolie, double mastectomy while she's young and healthy because she's got the BRCA gene. Oh, I got the gene. I, if I you know, have a mastectomy, I'm not going to get breast cancer. I go, well, that's not really true. But, but the point is, we have been led to believe that the genes control our lives. And I go, this is a false statement, 100% false. Uh, the BRCA gene, uh, the cancer gene, I go, 50% of the women have the gene and never get the cancer. What's the point? Possession of the gene didn't cause cancer. There is, in truth, not one gene that causes cancer. Cancer uh, uh, genes, so-called oncogenes, are correlated with the manifestation of a cancer, but doesn't cause the manifestation of a cancer. And I go, so what's the relevant conclusion? Genes control the character of my life. I didn't pick those genes as far as I know. I can't change them if I don't like the characteristics. And then on top of that, we tell you, genes turn on and off by themselves. I go, conclusion, I'm a victim of my heredity. I didn't pick the genes, but, you know, cancer's running my family. I, I'm going to get that cancer or whatever it is. Uh, and so fact of science, fact, less than 1% of disease is caused by genes. Ah, virtually none. I go, so where the hell is disease coming from? Coming from a consciousness that is not living in harmony. Harmony in the system, health, disharmony, disease. And that's as simple as this. So what does the public believe? I'm a victim. These genes, I, I need a doctor. I need a pharmaceutical agency. Why? I got some bad genes. They're going to help me fix them. Now, new science, epigenetics. Hey, it sounds exactly the same almost. This trait is under epigenetic control. I go, profound revolution. Epi means above. So what do we call skin? epidermis. I say, why? Well, just underneath the, the surface skin is what? Dermis, a layer. I say, so epidermis means above the dermis. Epi means above. Now say, this trait is under epigenetic control. Translation, control epi above the genes. I go, the genes aren't in control? No. What's in control? consciousness, brain. The brain adjusts your genetics. And if you have a belief that you're going to get sick, then the function of the brain is to make coherence. This is a, a little block here. 
The function of the brain is to make coherence between your beliefs and your reality. If you believe you're going to die of cancer, function of the brain is to manifest cancer. If you really believe it. And all of a sudden I go, oh my God, the genes don't turn on and off. They're blueprints. <laughs> That's what blue, genes are blueprints to make the proteins, the building blocks. And I go, so why is it relevant? I say, go into an architect's office. She's working on a blueprint. Lean over her shoulder and go, hey, is your blueprint on or is it off? And that architect, she'd look at you and go, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. It's a blueprint. There's no on and off. I go, aha, that's exactly right. A gene is a blueprint. It cannot turn itself on and off. A blueprint can be red or not red. Then all of a sudden the onus is on who's doing the reading. And I go, consciousness is adjusting your genes. For every blueprint gene, which is to make a protein, based on how I see the world, I can create over 3,000 different proteins from the same blueprint. That's epigenetics. So it says what? I could come with all healthy genes, but I can, through epigenetics, uh, get cancer. It's like, where the heck did that come from? Uh, epigenetics, above the gene. So consciousness is creating this. And then I say, as we started off with Russell, I said, well, how much uh, support are we getting for our empowerment? And I go, ah, whenever they could take it away, They've taken away your power by programming that you have no ability to do this. You are a victim, but we can help you. And that we helps you for how much money you're going to give them. <laughs> That's the problem. How do we subvert these uh, programs that are negative to our well-being from a, a health perspective, a mental health perspective? How do we subvert them, Bruce? How, how should we do that? What with them, Russell? Subvert them, overthrow them, undermine oh, okay. them, bypass them. Okay, so the first thing is this. My life, 95% print out from my subconscious, the good and the bad. And I go, okay, how do I know what my subconscious programs are? 95% of your life is the program. Just look at your life. And uh, as we mentioned, programs that are good give you the stuff you want. Programs that are inhibiting make you struggle. And I say, now I say, wait, I want to be in a relationship. I haven't been in a relationship that worked. I say, why? Well, from my personal level, truth, my programming, first seven years, my mother and father had a real crap relationship. What did I download? How to have a relationship? No, how to have a crap relationship. So I say, why is that relevant? Because every time I pursued a relationship, it ended up with the same dynamic that my parents had, which was, that's not good, and it failed. So now I say, okay, I got bad relationship issues. So I say, well, what do you want? I say, I want great relationship. So I, I define whatever it is a great relationship I want. And I put a word on it and I just say, you know, it could be a whole list of this is my relationship. Put one word on it, great or two words, great relationship. And I say, well, I want to program that. And I say, well, how do you program it? And I say, first of all, don't talk to yourself because that's what I mentioned is who are you talking to? There's nobody in the subconscious, so I don't care how much you talk. It's not going to change anything. They say, how did the subconscious learn? Ah, now I know how to get into it. I say, how did it learn the first seven years? I was in state of theta. I say, what's that? Imagination. It's below consciousness. So I say, but it's also hypnosis. So I say, if I can get in a theta, then I can download directly just like I was a kid. Whatever's coming in, I can download it. So hypnotherapy is great, except 
you don't need a hypnotherapist. You can do it on your own. And I say, how? Because the vibrations of the brain are at different levels, lower to higher, higher vibration, more consciousness, lower. It drops out of consciousness into theta and then goes to the lowest vibration, delta is sleep. So I say, what's the relevance? You wake up and you start to build up the vibration. So you start from sleep, delta, and then you get into theta, which is imagination. So if you're listening to the clock radio and you're in theta, guess what? The real world story comes into your imagination state and you're in a dream state still, but listening to the world. But then you wake up fully and you're in alpha. And then you go to work and you get a higher vibration, uh, which is beta, which is school work or hard work, you know, mental. And I say, but when you come home, the reverse. So I come home from work, beta, I relax, alpha. And the moment I shut my eyes and let go of alpha consciousness, I am back in theta for a period of time. I say, so why is it relevant? I say, put these earphones on at night when you're going to bed. I say, what are you going to play? I say, play a program that of the things you want to be true in your life that you want. I say, why is it relevant? Because the moment the alpha conscious mind disconnects, you're sleeping, but theta is in download. And so you can reprogram by putting earphones on at night and having this program play. Yeah. In this theta state, why does it understand language? Theta? If it's a different if it yeah, if it's a different state of consciousness that's the sort of like a you know, an alternate state to sort of alpha and beta yeah. cognition, yeah. why does it still respond to stimuli that are associated with those different ranges? Because like, you know, like how, why is it because language is operating from that aspect of the mind no so why would it like you know because i'm presuming you're saying play affirmative information like you are successful you're in a happy marriage you yeah. can manifest whatever you want like but like but how does that why you're speaking to a part of the mind that's pre-linguistic so how does the pre-linguistic mind interpret linguistic sig signals how did you learn when you were an infant you learned language mimic you learned mimicry it, it was repeated watched, yeah go mimicry watching people talk it recognize uh, oh that when they point to the table so, that means that language uh, but, but while it, but I was conscious I wasn't asleep and like are you saying that the sort of the theta state that you're in when you're asleep is literally the same as a child when a child's walking around all, only like in an orange juice only for a short period because you're on the way of lowering to what the lowest one and when you're falling asleep the lowest one is delta, delta. Uh, and delta is asleep so there is a, a window where you're just passing through theta on the way to delta. And if you put something in during that window via the earphones, it's not going to the conscious mind, it's going straight into the subconscious. Language is in the subconscious, your vocabulary, all your database is subconscious. Uh, so the subconscious understands all this stuff. It's an autopilot, it can run. You can memorize something and sing a song and not even think about the words because they're automatic now, they're just coming out at this point. So yeah. And there'll be like archetypes in there. This is where archetypes would live and dwell and sort of parts of the mind that are unevolved from when we lived in sort of original Aboriginal conditions, when we lived tribally. The, all of this kit, all of this equipment, all of this programming is in there latent, dormant, waiting. It, it is. It's, it's always looking to, to learn. And there's a beautiful part too. There's something called mirror neurons. What are they? I say, there are neurons in the brain that, are, that you know how to do some kind of behavior, 
But if you see somebody else doing the same behavior, the neuron, the mirror neurons can have you have an experience of that, that other person. So uh, you watch a movie, uh, uh, and Harrison Ford's got tarantulas crawling all over him. You've had an experience of something crawling on you. And the idea is what? Mirror neurons. Oh my God, I'm watching tarantulas crawl on Harrison Ford. I feel it. I squirm in the seat because I, I know what that feels like. So mirror neurons connect us by watching other people and then recognizing the programs and behaviors and downloading them. And then I go, but once the program is in there, it's a habit. Uh, and so I say, so the first seven years, you create new habits just because of hypnosis. But after age seven, you still learn how to do new things. You learn how to drive a car. Well, that wasn't through theta. That was through what? Practice. Practice is habituation. Ah, I can change my life if I practice and as, a, as an exercise a new behavior. Just repeat that new behavior. So I, I like the new agey thing. Fake it till you make it. I go, what does that mean? I go, well, you're a miserable person. You want to be happy and you're in a miserable world. And I say, all day long, you just say to yourself, I am happy. In spite of, <laughs> in spite of what's going on, I am happy. I am happy. Repetition. And I say, what does repetition do? You keep repeating that, and then one day you wake up, you don't even have to say, I'm happy, because now through repetition, that's a program, function of the mind, take the program and manifest reality out of it. And if the program is to be happy, then the function of the mind is to manifest happy. Uh, but most of our programs are live on the edge, be afraid, watch out, somebody's going to take you, or whatever. It's like, <laughs> that's not happy. That's surviving. <laughs> uh, and happy is a different thing. What do you uh, take this politically, Bruce? What, so do you feel like that we live in cultures that disempower us to keep us as sort of uh, subservient consumers a la The Matrix? Yeah, well, the, the whole idea is this. Uh, let's go back 400 years. 400 years, the Jesuits have told people exactly what we're talking about. And people heard it. And it was just like, oh, yeah, it went on without thinking about it. I said, what did they say? Give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. I go, what's that mean? Give me the programming for the first seven years, and 95% of the life of that person is coming from that program. So once I program them, they express whatever the program was. I go, you mean for 400 years, the Smart people, the guys manipulating things, knew that if I can get into your program in the first seven years, I control the rest of your life. That's a fact. It was for 400 years, uh, uh, you know, a religious Jesuit statement, but nobody paid attention to this is exactly what it's all about. I am being programmed and 95% of my life comes from the program. Now let's go back to the matrix because the matrix says, you could take this red pill and you can get out of the program. I go, you can get out of the program? And I go, here's the fun part. Most everybody in our audience has already taken that red pill. Profound changes happened. I go, what was it? I say, your life is blah, 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 blah. And then you meet somebody and you fall in love. 24 hours later, Oh, man, life's beautiful. Everything's great. The food's great. The music's great. I'm in love. I love this place. Even a lousy job's not so lousy. I go, what, what, blah, 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 24 hours, heaven on earth. What happened? Science has recognized 
that when you fall in love, it's the equivalent of taking the red pill. For what reason? You stop thinking, you stay mindful. You stay in the conscious mind. Well, normally it's only 5%, but when you're in love, it's 90%. I go, what does that mean? I said, well, that's the one where you're driving toward wishes and desires. I say, you and a partner for the first time, stop playing both your programs, start to become creative. What's, you know, the, the, the whole aspect of, uh, uh, of the program disappearing, now operating from creative consciousness. What did you create? Health, happiness, joy, all that. And I go, that happened from just 24 hours of stop playing that program when you took over creative control. And I call it the honeymoon. And I go, so I say, that's great, but how come the honeymoon doesn't last? And I go, how long can you stay mindful? Because there's a point where mm -hmm. you still have chores, job, responsibility. And the moment you exercise chores, jobs, and responsibility is the moment you start thinking and the moment you start thinking, guess what comes up to the surface? Those crap programs that you didn't play during the honeymoon because those were your programs from downloading, but you played from creativity. And then one day you're thinking, your partner comes in, asks you a simple, loving question. You're thinking, and you turn around and go, blah, blah, blah. And she looks at you and goes, who are you? Where did that come from? And then the story of Bill... I didn't see what I just said it was from the program. And all of a sudden I say, well, this is the beginning of an argument. <laughs> uh, uh, because she says, who are you? And you're going, what are you talking about? I, I'm not that person. My program is. Uh, uh, and I say, so why is it relevant? And, uh, and the relevance is this. As we begin to think more and more, go back up to the 95%, more and more of those negative programs come into the relationship. And every time they come in the relationship, uh, butting heads. And I said, what's the problem? And I said, the, the beauty of heaven on earth has disappeared now. Now it's quarrel time. Now it's like, well, you did that, you did that. And the next thing, honeymoon, gone. I go, what happened? Mm. You slipped out. And when you slipped out of consciousness, you returned back to the programs. And again, most of those are disempowering. Like a scientific materialist would say, of course, that during that state where you're falling in love, that there's serotonin and endorph endorphins, like there are the hormonal and chemical things occurring. And, I, and my uh, suspicion is that, that you would say that we can continue to agitate and create that production from a deeper epi-hormonal place. So like um, what I um, now feel like is like me, I am trying to remain in a state of awareness so that I am not embedded in my thoughts but I am observing them because I you know I'm a 12 step person so part of like my whole um, 12 step education is that you know we need a program because we're not we already have a program the program of 12 step the tool for awakening through 12 steps is not going into a neutral space it's replacing your indigenous program of your culture your school your family your beliefs about yourself so I, I appreciate that and, and I, like I suppose that, that this kind of solutions that I have been shown have been about remaining aware of being present in the body, not diving into the sort of stream of thoughts that sort of kick in when I feel fear, Jink, that's it. Now I've got to do this. When I feel sad, jink, I've got to do this. You know, like because I suppose drug addicts are a good case study, Bruce. I would assume because the the habitualization is so obvious that the, the the reactions are so obvious that you know I feel sad, I take drugs. I feel miserable, I drink. I wake up, I take drugs. You know, so it's a kind of an easy thing to observe. I I, I would imagine. 
And so the, the much of the focus of your um, reprogramming is it is it, what else is there aside from the um, affirmations and positive messaging through hypnosis yeah. when you're in the theta state just before sleep? Are there other tools yeah. as well? So there, there are three. There's four ways. Let, let's eliminate one of them because it works. It can change your program just instantly. I go, wow. But the problem with that is that you can't control it. That's like you go to the doctor and, hey, everything's okay. And then all of a sudden the doctor says you got terminal cancer. Boom. Ha! That can change your life just like that. But I can't predict it. You can't manifest it by, by intention. That just happens, okay? So put that aside. There are three that you can control. One, self-hypnosis, which is the earphones at night. Two, I said after age seven, you can learn anything new by repetition. But it's not a sticky note on the refrigerator. That's a suggestion. <laughs> that's a, that. Hey, that, well, that's a good idea. I got no, no. You, it's a repetition. You've got to engage it. And number three is magic. Number three is magic because it is rapid, rapid change of programs in minutes. Let's do that one. I love that one because it changed <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> and I go, what is it? It's called energy psychology. I go, what the hell is energy psychology? I go, have you ever seen anybody read a book by moving their finger down the page? And as fast as they move it down, they read every word on the page. That's super, yeah. super learning. I say, but what if I can engage super learning in a change of psychological behavior? I go, then you can put a new program in in minutes. I go, whoa. I say, how does it work? I say, because it turns on a super learning aspect of the mind, and then you can reprogram in matters of minutes a belief that you've been living by that isn't supporting you by replacing it with a belief that turns that table on that the other way around. And in an energy psychology modality, uh, it's really wonderful because, A, you don't have to go backwards. This is where the biggest problem with cognitive psychology is. Okay, let's tell me who did what to you. And I go, oh, my brother did this and my girlfriend. Did that, and, that. and I go, hey, you're killing the messenger over the message. I don't care what those people did. You walked away with a message. You can go back there and kill them all you want. But the problem is this, every time you go back and replay that scenario, you're reinforcing the old pathway again. So the idea is this, I do not care who the messengers were, I care is what is my message today that I'm living, that's the 95% printout, and I go, so why is it relevant? I love it because you don't have to do psychology. You say, what is it you want that you're not getting? I want to have a great relationship. Okay, let's build a statement that you know, includes your vision. What is a thing that you want? And then using energy psychology, you can download that new program and walk away minutes later, new program, new life. It's like, whoa, does conventional psychology like it? No, why? Because uh, it's sort of like why the they drug... They charge by the hour. Yeah, exactly. And the same thing with drug companies. If you could heal yourself, who the hell's going to buy the drugs? And the answer is they have interfered with the programming, uh, especially in medical school, of doctors because I used to be a medical school professor. And I go, and what was the curriculum based on? Well, quantum physics came in and under, upended the conventional belief. But guess what? Pharmaceutical companies have suppressed this knowledge in medical school because if you told people you could heal yourself without the drug, 
that that's a killer for a business. Uh, and therefore, with the amount of money that they put into the healthcare system, not in their research, which is, oh, we're doing a lot of research. It's like, no, you put most of your money into changing the political nature and the message you're giving to the public. And I go, they're, they're mind-screwing everyone uh, with the idea, oh, every 15 minutes on TV, oh, you're not feeling good? There's a pill. There's a pill to go make you feel great. Take a pill. And then, the, uh, and then the, the person watching the TV goes to their doctor and says to the doctor, yeah, don't tell me that. I, I want that pill that that television showed. And I go, then your doctor is a drug pusher. He's pushing the drug that you asked for because you saw that wonderful ad that everybody was happy when they took that drug. And then I said, they're pill pushers. Uh, and the problem is this. Look, in the U.S., we got a terrible situation with COVID. Oh, why? COVID is so virulent? No, COVID is not that virulent. People are that weak. Uh, and I say, what does it mean? I say, 40% of Americans don't have one compromising illness that influences them. 40% of Americans have 2.7 compromising uh, comorbidities. Two, two points, between two and three compromising morbidities because of lifestyle, because of belief system. Uh, and I go, why is that relevant? They're weak. Comorbidity means you're challenging the immune system. So if you get the COVID and you already have challenged your immune system, that immune system is not up to the power to deal with it. And I go, 80 to 90% of the people that get the damn COVID have symptoms that are so low that they don't go to a doctor, they don't go to a hospital, 80 to 90%. I go, who are the ones that are that are sick? I'm not, you know, saying, oh, you know, so what? I, I mean, if my if I were in that group or or whatever, I'd be really concerned. And you should be if you have comorbidity, because it isn't the virus that is that virulent. It is the weakness of the recipient of that virus. Uh, in our world of nature, we know what what do wolves do? They take animals out of the herd. I go. Do they take the one with the biggest antlers? No, humans do that. They take the top one out. What do wolves do? They take the weakest one out. That's the one they can catch. And I go, so what's irrelevant? They call the herd of the weakest ones, leaving the strength for the herd. And I go, in some sense, what you're watching COVID virus do is exactly what wolves do. It takes out the weakest ones. And the rest of us are waiting for a vaccine. I go, Vaccine? That's a pharmaceutical company again. Screw them. Why? What are they putting in the vaccine? Oh, we can't tell you. There's a law. They don't have to tell you what's in the vaccine. I go, you're going to inject me with something and you're not going to tell me what it is? And then the second law says, and they're not responsible. Because if you get a side effect from the vaccine, it's like, oh, that's not there for... I go, you've just given a company an opportunity to inject crap into me without telling me what it is? And you take away any responsibility and, and I'm supposed to sit here and get your stupid vaccine? I'll tell you what the truth is that I would do as a biologist and a scientist is if I have no comorbidity, so, you know, way overweight, uh, diabetes, heart issue, cancer issue, if I don't have any of those and I'm not old, then guess what? The best thing to do, get the damn COVID. Why? Because your own system 
will make the best antibodies in the universe compared to trusting Pfizer that they're going to do it. It's like, hey, I've been in the business long enough. These guys, uh, the pharmaceutical, they're, they're our friendly banker. What the hell's a friendly banker? A friendly banker is when you have money, they're a friendly banker. When you have no money, they're not friendly banker. <laughs> and I go, so why is it relevant? Pharmaceutical company is like, we are here to help you. And I go, again, BS, belief system. They're there to make money. This is money. I go, oh, yeah, but we're not paying for the vaccine. I go, oh, who is paying for the vaccine? You are paying for the vaccine. All your money is going to be from the government and give it to the drug companies and say, make that vaccine and give it to everybody. Vaccine companies are like, oh, how many hundreds of millions of vaccines do I need? That's everyone I'm going to make money. I feel you, baby. They're not here to but help Bruce, us. Bruce, you got to know how controversial what you're saying is there, right? You know that like that's, I think, literally banned saying that. <sighs> I, I, my, my, some of my uh, YouTube programs have been shut down by uh, the powers to be. Why? It didn't conform with that public opinion they were presenting. I go, you mean you are, you are uh, filtering? That you're only letting people say that fits what you want to say? And anybody else with an alternative opinion is a subversive? So yeah, that's why, go, why do you think this man, landscape is appearing? Why do you think the culture think is what, becoming Russell? so censorial and restrictive about what can be communicated? It, it, because it's control. <laughs> the whole damn thing is control. Evolution is based on community. It's not based on making genes different. Evolution is creating a community of harmony. We look in a body. Oh, single human being. I look in the mirror. Single human being. Not true. We're made out of 50 trillion cells. The cells are the living entity. Bruce, Russell, that's a community of 50 trillion cells. And I say, so why is it relevant? Because it's community. And when community is in harmony, you get health. And I say, and what happens if you break up community? I go, disease. You've put people away and separated them from each other. You have broken community. You know where the power of people comes from? Community. But if there's no community, there's no power. And by the situation we're in, yes, uh, they've disempowered the uh, globally. It's like a world government made a decision and everybody around the world is like, oh, lock yourself away. Get out of there. You're going to die. Go, the virus is not going to kill you unless you are already uh, affected by the uh, some comorbidity. Uh, uh, and it's a money game. The whole it's like, it's embarrassing. And if I say this, it's like, shut him up. Shut him up. Don't let him say that. I go, what, are you going to take away my grant? Guess what? I don't have a grant anymore. So go talk to the other scientists that so you can pull their grants out when they don't agree with you. I am independent. You want to shut me off? You've done that. But hey, I'm a biologist. I'm a scientist. The work I'm talking about is 100% scientific research. Uh, and the relevance about it is that what? Consciousness controls your genetics and consciousness controls your behavior. And then if you understand the nature of that consciousness, then you can understand why you might have a wonderful life or why you might have a crap life. Blame it on the outside. And I go, no, it's the programming. 
So, Bruce, when you, you were like operating within the confines of the establishment, uh, to, to use your term and to use an easily understandable term, what aspect of medicine were you working in and what were your uh, credentials and qualifications so that people like that have been, let's face it, to use again your language, the programming sure. people are receiving now is that if someone says... Uh, COVID is only dangerous if you've got comorbidity and the vaccines are an attempt by pharmaceutical company by pharmaceutical companies and the government in conspiracy to generate revenue the automatically that like you're uh, marginalized as a, a, a wacko so like how do you how do you and that facial gesture isn't gonna help people countenance the claim when you're bobbing about in front of that field of violets um, or irises i suppose i don't know much about flowers um mate so tell me what like when you were full-on in the medical world what what, what type of doctor Doctor, are you? Okay. I'm a cell biologist and a cell researcher. I have a PhD. I uh, ended up teaching at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine. And then later, I ended up at Stanford University School of Medicine, where my final research, I did that. And I said, I got the system, I got to get out. Okay. What was I doing? I was cloning stem cells. Mm, what are stem cells? Well, everybody, you know, these are cells in our body. I got, I'll tell you what they are. They're embryonic cells. I go, why should I have embryonic cells in me? I go, you're made out of 50 trillion cells, and every second you lose 3 million cells. Oh, shit. Every second we've been talking. 3 million cells dying. <laughs> yeah, Get run! embryonic cells! Your right now before they run out! <laughs> so stem cells are cells in your body that replace the ones you're losing. So that keeps us in the current state. So they're embryonic cells. I Back in 1967... Before, while you were in nappies, maybe, or not even there I, yet. I was in, I was I was in my father's testes and, my, and held somewhere suspended <laughs> in the unborn. <laughs> <laughs> and well, to have later opportunity, you were already being programmed in that place before you inherited got out of trauma, it. Inherited trauma, inherited programming. conversation. It, it, programming is inherited from parent to child, okay? So so I go, so what? I was cloning stem cells in 1967. There were only a handful of us in the world that even knew what the hell a stem cell was. And I was cloning them. I go, what's that? I say, I put one cell in a dish by itself, one stem cell. It divides every 10 hours about. So first there's one, then there's two, then there's four, eight, 16, 32. After a week, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. And I go, okay. I got 30,000, what, identical cells because they came from one parent. So 30,000 genetically identical cells. I split them into three Petri dishes. And I um, grow cells in the lab in something called culture medium, a fluid, an environment. I go, what's culture medium? The laboratory version of blood. If I'm growing human cells, I look at what's human blood made out of, and then in the lab, I mix the chemicals, and I feed the cells in a culture dish so they feel at home. <laughs> and I go, so what? I said, well, in my experiment, I changed the chemistry of the culture medium slightly. So I have three different dishes, all genetically identical cells, and three different versions of culture medium. In culture medium A, environment A, the cells form muscle. In the adjacent dish with genetically identical cells, culture medium B, the cells form bone. In a third dish, genetically identical cells, culture medium C, they form fat cells. And I stopped at this experiment and go, oh my God, 
I'm teaching in the medical school that genes control life. And in my tissue culture is the genes didn't control any of that. Genes didn't control that. Oh, wow. It was the environment. And then I go, oh, my God. And I tell all my colleagues and they look at me because the big gene movement was on. And they looked at me as, well, you're a weirdo, Lipton. We all know that genes control life. And that's a stupid experiment. So I repeated the experiment, repeated the experiment. It's like, hey, it's repetition. I can predict the outcome of this experiment in three days. I'll tell you what's going to happen. They ignored it because, like lemmings, they were all running to the cliff with DNA, DNA, and I'm the other way going, it's not, it's not the DNA, but nobody cared. So what? So, but the idea is, what did I learn? That they said to me, well, how does that thing work? And I said, I don't know how it works, but I can tell you the result. So for the next number of years, I started to find out how can an environmental signal adjust the genetics? And then I come to the cell membrane, the skin of the cell. It's the nervous system. Oh, no, no. In the book, it says the nucleus is the nervous system. I go, the nucleus has genes in it. What are genes? Blueprints to do what? Make the cell and its parts. And I go, I love it. You ready? The nucleus is the gonad of the cell. It's not the brain. I always joke. I say, how could a bunch of male scientists come up with the fact that the gonad's the brain? I go, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and the reality is, no, it's reproduction. That's what nucleus is. And it turns out the membrane of the cell, the skin, is the nervous system. It reads the environment and then adjusts the inside of the wow. cell. And I go, well, they were looking at the membrane as like plastic wrap to hold the cell together. I say, man, are you missing it? It's the nervous system. And if you know how it works, guess what? It's the foundation of the nervous system from the single cell to the human. The exact same thing. Our skin, our membrane. Hey, that's is so the cool. Of the it's like a system. type of consciousness. Then the cell is kind of conscious. The cell is aware and it's interactive, like them octopuses. <laughs> you know, like in that octopus documentary. There's the, it's all its brain is on its outside. It's receiving information. Its consciousness is spread out. Cool. Human human skin. In the embryo, the back of the embryo, the back of the embryo turns in and becomes a spinal cord and a brain. It's the skin. So I go, so why is this relevant? I started to see how it worked. And it was like, oh my God, the whole damn thing is wrong. Because the cell uh, membrane, is a, it's a chip. And I'm not saying that it's like a chip. I'm telling you it's a carbon-based chip. The nucleus is a hard drive with programs in it. The information comes to the surface of the cell and there are proteins that translate the signal and turn it into behavior. And so that's the interface of life. And I go, oh my God, this thing is not controlled by genes. It's controlled by what's going on in the environment. That allows the organism to continuously adjust its biology yeah, it explains when evolution. the environment is changing. And mutation. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, it, it became so fundamental. Because so it's not it was random like, mutation, uh, it's conscious uh, mutation the, in the, a the, sense. That's the difference. But Darwinian biology is, oh, the first step is a random mutation. Follow what is called natural selection, meaning a mutation alters the function and nature will select it. That mutation make it better or weaker. If the mutation made it weaker, nature will select against it and eliminate it. If the mutation made it better, it will proceed. And I go, so why is it relevant? So what's the first step in Darwinian theory? Accidental mutation. I go, oh, then why are we here? Accidental mutation. I say, what's our purpose? How can 
to have a purpose. It was an accident. I go, that theory is wrong. Darwinian theory is wrong. The more correct theory, and I'm sorry to the Brits because they've elevated Charles Darwin to the super god of Newton. <laughs> and the reality is the real guy who knew evolution and wrote it 50 years before Darwin, uh, on Darwin's year he was born, Lamarck wrote a th the first scientific theory of evolution. He is the originator of the theory of evolution, Lamarck. But guess what? While Darwin came to the conclusion heredity genes were controlling this, Lamarck said it's the interaction of the environment and the organism that controls this. And I go, relevance and the conclusion is really critical. We didn't get here by chance. We came here as part of an evolution of a garden. The indigenous people knew this. We're in a garden. And they said, if we're in a garden, let's maintain the garden. We lost the indigenous belief. Now we come to the world of science. Francis Bacon, 1650, gives the mission statement of modern science. What is it? To obtain knowledge that can be used to dominate and control nature. <laughs> That's the mission statement. That's I evil. Go, you're, you're just a, a, an animal. You're, you're an animal. It's like Darth Vader's mission statement. So the idea is what? Lamarck is right. Environment is influences. Organisms fit the environment, not by accident, by conditioning of being an integral element that indeed the, the indigenous people were right. We were supposed to maintain the garden, but we thought we were the boss of the garden. And how's that working out? We're facing the sixth mass extinction of life because that behavior of we're so smart Bruce, has undermined the web of life. If you want to popularize these ideas, we'll all be killed. <laughs> ah, but then they're going to take away my grant. Oh, I don't have a grant. <laughs> well, we're going to shut you off of YouTube. And I go, I don't give a damn either because the message is getting out. And you've been giving a message of empowerment through all of your stuff, whichever way you've been talking about it, through all the other guests. It still comes down to there's an empowerment here that you haven't recognized. And when you own your empowerment, then you are in control. And until then, your program has done everything to take away your power. And it's interesting. Uh, as I said, quantum physics, the most valid science on the planet. Listen to this. An article in a more recent issue of the journal Nature, the British journal, the most prestigious scientific journal in the world. An article was entitled The Mental Universe by a physicist, Richard Kahn Henry. I'm not going to review the science of the article, but I will read for you now exactly the last sentence. And the last sentence in that article is, the universe is immaterial. It's mental and spiritual. Live and enjoy. Holy crap. The journal Science has an article in there that gives you the truth of quantum physics. This is an illusion, and it's Get based on that. our consciousness. <laughs> Get me, Get me that journal. Get me that journal. I will send you that article because it's a one-page article and it's just an essay saying they knew this, this what in I'm trying to work out, Bruce Lipton, now that we've got you here, is like I'm trying to work out how to countenance our current systems of don domination with a spiritual message, uh, help people that have been cynical about religion because of the sort of, you know, the historic sort of crimes and complications of religion, 
to empower people individually within their own lives to transcend the limitations of their programming and to decentralize power somewhat so it's more like a membrane across the skin rather than a centralized nucleus of domination in a sense the sort of the metaphor systems even at the sort of the most micro level inform the manner of domination and but the the challenge that we will face bruce in trying to popularize these ideas is that you know that they do attack the messenger and discredit the messenger and attack the messenger because there's a, as Bill Hicks says, they've got a lot of money invested in that ride. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, when you're talking trillions of dollars and then somebody comes up and says, Hey, you don't need them. Uh, then it's easier to get rid of that one guy who says you don't need them because the rest are going to spend trillions of dollars. Uh, uh, and there is a spirituality. And this is so cool because I did not believe in spirituality. I was a scientist with genes and cells and proteins, and, and I didn't believe in it. But when I understood the nature of the cell membrane, I like, oh, my God, I'm not in here. I go, what do you mean? I, so I understand the membrane is this information processor, but there are some what are called self-receptors. I go, what are they? They're on your cells. I go, what, do they determine if it's muscle or liver? No, no. They're just self-receptors. I go, self? What the hell is that? I say, no two people are biologically the same. Uh, if I took my cells out of my body right now and put it into you, Russell, your immune system will go, not self, and eliminate the cells. You take your cells, you put it into somebody else's body, their immune system, not self, and they eliminate the not self. I say, well, then the body knows whose cells they are. I say, how, how, where's the identity? of whose cells they are. I go, each of us have a different set of these self-receptors. They're not telling me muscle, bone. They're giving me self. I say, they're antennas on the surface of the cell. I go, in quantum physics, then all of a sudden you start to realize a receptor responds to a field, an energy. I go, no two people get the same reception because they have different antennas. And I go then, Where's the self coming from? Conventional biology. Oh, it's the physical proteins that make you different. And I go, no, no, that's the antenna. That's a receiver. And I go, where's it receiving? Environmental information. I say, then no two people are receiving the exact same broadcast. I go, no. And I go, oh my God, this is a virtual reality suit. My identity is picked up by the receptors and I can engage the function of the suit. And I go, the receptors, and here's the first part. When I, heard, I understood it, I said, I'm not in here. It's a broadcast of Bruce coming in here. I go, well, it's like a television set. This is the Bruce show. And I go, yeah, this is the Bruce show. And I say, what happens when your television stops working? Television dead. I go, yeah, it's dead. Did the broadcast stop? Ah, get a new TV, plug it in and tune it to the station and the show is back on again. Guess what? An embryo shows up in the future with the same set of receptors and you, your set is unique. There's no two people have the same set. An embryo shows up with the set that you have. New TV, babes. You're back on a new TV. But does it make a difference to male or female? No, that's a TV set. Doesn't make a difference if it's white, brown, black, red, yellow. No, that's a TV set. You're not the TV. You're the broadcast. 
And if the body goes, that's cool, Bruce. Like, the, like almost here. the ultimate source uh, is beyond space and time, beyond these limiting humanistic, animalistic, uh, imposed dimension. This this criterion that are required for our limited sensorial experience. I did a breath exercise thing yesterday with my friend Viet. And like when I do this breath exercise, it causes the sort of identity mind to shut down. And there's a brief moment before the identity mind comes back on where I feel like there is a secondary presence broadcasting through me. You can't hold it for long like a dream. You can't hold it for long like a dream. But there's a sort of like a metallic kind of extrasensory sort of static and then I come back online and I go oh yeah I'm me and I do this stuff and this is where I live and there's the floor that I just passed out yeah. onto you know and I guess this is what like uh, you know psychedelics meditative experience asceticism can afford us to tune into the yeah. uh, ultimate ulterior signal you let go of this machine and became the signal and this is what artists and scientists have uh, unique in common is that artists and scientists do their work not from in here, but from bringing it down from up there. Uh, and when you had that little voice that came from somewhere, where the hell did it come from? Gave you a little story. Guess what? I was talking to listen a, to that voice. I was talking to an atheist That's physicist the one. recently on the show, and it, like I kept saying, like we were talking about sort of you know theoretical physics, and I kept saying. I said, who came up with that theory? And, and he would say, you know, like, uh, like maybe it's that dude Bruno that came up with that sort of universal model or maybe it was Einstein or whatever. I go, where did it come from? Where did it come from? There's always this point of intersection where genius is entering the physical realm from some other place. Not rational, not material. Its own methodology, its own material, its own dictates and theology require of it uh, a secondary source that it refuses to acknowledge. That, that's the whole understanding is that you are not in here. You're part of an intelligent energy in the field. You are like, there's like a radio band with, as you turn this dial, there's a station, there's a station, there's a station. I go, there's the human radio band. And as you turn the dial, there's this person, there's Bill, there's Roger, there's Mary, there's John. Each is a different station. And the evolution of the whole idea is if you put all the information from all the stations together, guess what you got? an understanding of the bigger picture. So community is the drive force to share awareness because awareness is the cause of evolution, not genes. Humans have 20,000 genes. I go, they expected 100,000 genes. They got 20. I go, one of the smallest organisms that they work with in a lab is a, a worm that's half a millimeter long. It's got 20,000 genes. Oh, then genetics is not a measure of evolution. Do you still no, do lab work? And if not, why not? No, I, I got out because, A, uh, how much time do I have to spend fighting the system that I know is antagonistic to everything I'm talking about? Because self-empowerment is not the intention of a system that manipulates a large population. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Tony Benn, one of your parliamentarians, uh, in a movie with Michael Moore said, Governments do not want a healthy, intelligent population because they're difficult to control. And I go, I'm 76. When I started, <laughs> when I was a, when I started out a long time ago, the United States was something different. I've seen over 75 years, we have become stupider and sicker than any population in general. I go, hey, 
Tony Ben said that's exactly the destination. I go, yep, it's playing out. We, we've lost our power. Now you can well, manipulate Bruce, me. Well, Bruce, that's been an amazing podcast. I'm going to have to draw a line under it because on this dimension, time exists. And I hope that we get another chance to talk again and that, that we're one or both of us are not in prison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just tell you, we just touched the tip of it because when you really understand who you are... Bruce, this the, tip is the know, most look, sensitive part. Two you things know that. I, <laughs> I, I so appreciate it again um thank you for this opportunity to can i stay in touch with you will you do that thing on me here. will you reprogram but, me like what if i call you up or something do you have time to reprogram my brain i've got some terrible shit going on in here I'll, I, I, I have time for you because uh, I wrote The Honeymoon Effect. Why? A guy who couldn't get a relationship together for 40-plus years learns, and then guess what? I've been living in heaven 22 years. Uh, my honeymoon does not end. My honeymoon gets better every day because I'm controlling it. My partner, Margaret, we got control. And I go, the world's crazy out there, but not here. That's beautiful. Not here. <laughs> Look, I live in beautiful. There. It's lovely. It's in your <laughs> land of milk and honey. Well, I have that email, so I'll send you that one-page article called "The Mental Universe in Nature," and just as I said, go to the bottom line. It's like, my God, science is acknowledging spirituality. In the end, if what they're interested is in truth, they're going to have to arrive there. Th that's what quantum physics. Why the revolution hasn't fully come in yet. Quantum physics is a recognition that it's all consciousness. And if people understood that, they say, but I can change my consciousness. Yes! And that's... Yeah, without an agent. It's pretty, yeah, the irony that science spent its whole time trying to f throw off the tyranny of monotheistic ministers because they were acting as an agent of truth, a mediator of divinity and truth, only to replace them with comparable systems. That, like, you know, you have to go through commerce. You have to go through this opinion. You have to go through... Yeah, it's the exact same template, same way as like uh, communism threw off czarism and then replicated that exact system. Because, yeah, there was a paradigmatic imprint that they followed. Yeah, no, uh, uh, and I'm not a I didn't grow up in any religious thing and I wasn't spiritual, as I told you. But guess what? Two of the most important statements that will come from Jesus if they don't bastardize it is, number one, he said, all the miracles that I can do. You can do them even better than I can, but you don't believe in it. Belief, biology, okay? And the second one, and this is a critical one, uh, apparently, supposedly last words to God, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I go, recognize this truth to everyone that you deal with. For what reason? 95% of the life is not coming from them, it's coming from the program that was laid on top of them. So if you get mad at them, are you mad at them or are you mad at the program? And all of a sudden, if you can differentiate the two, that means, uh, you know, I, I may not want to follow you, but I'm not going to blame you because whatever you've done is a program and you didn't even see it like Bill. So uh, let's forgive those people because everyone, including ourselves, are running these programs, don't see it. And if those programs piss off somebody or something like that, you didn't see it, Bill didn't see his program, uh, and then you get blamed for it. It's like now you take it on personally. You didn't even know what the hell you did because it was automatic. So uh, this is the, the time to, those two factors come into our consciousness. When they come into our consciousness, that will change the planet. 
I am a spiritual entity and I am a creator. Uh, and I'll close with this because I, I always like it. It was uh, it's when I, uh, I asked a question. The moment I saw that, oh my God, there's a spirit and there's a body. And my science mind went a little like, why have both? Why not just be a spirit? And that's when I found I had Jewish comedian cells. Because <laughs> I was thinking you like Jewish Carlin just then. <laughs> I asked a question and 50 trillion cells welled up, answered me with a question. I asked, <laughs> why have both a body and a spirit? And listen to this. The cells came up with, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, this is a virtual reality suit. It allows me to create and it allows me to sense. And I came here to create and experience. I want to experience love. Then how come I have so much fear? Peace. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so Thanks, I'm, Bruce Lipton. I, I, I so appreciate this. I've already messaged you. you. Okay. And I will send you uh, that paper because it's only one page and you could take that down in a couple of minutes. But it's like <laughs> it emphasizes scientifically that this is a, a creation, a manifestation. So I love what you're manifesting. I love you. it because under all that funny stuff, it's a great humanitarian. Oh, and, and the message is we've got to save ourselves because the corporate entity is not that interested. I feel you. Bruce, thank you. Uh, send me a message back when you can and send me that thing as well. I will do that right away. Lots of love. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your excellence. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, man. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Under the Skin with me, Russell Brand, and Bruce Lipton there. If you've got any comments, send them to me on social media. And remember to ask me anything, go to russellbrand.com. Sign up for the mailing list as well, because we do regular Zoom calls. We did one the other day. I'm going to send you a clip of it. Yeah, these Zoom calls, they're fantastic fun. You pay five quid. We gave money last time to a children's hospice, but we've done things for like, I don't know, like a women's rehab. What else we done? What else we done money for? BAC. BAC O'Connor, lovely treatment center up in Burton-on-Trent. Anyway, the fact is we charge you five quid, we give it to good causes. So uh, have a look at that and get on my mailing list to get exclusive content and access. And when live things start happening again, that's where you'll hear about it first. All right, so thank you for joining me. I love you. Join us next week for Tristan Harris, uh, star, is that the right word to use, of The Social Dilemma, and I would say soothsayer, sage of the techno world. Thank you for listening to Under the Skin from Luminary.